Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight, Podcast 205, recording this on Monday the 30th of January 2017. I'm Steve Litchfield and after our special guest last week, we have Rafe Blanford back. Yay! Woohoo! Yes, I'm back on the show. Thank you, of course, to all our special guests who are appearing into the gaps in the podcast when I can't make it all. I forget it's when Steve gets bored of talking to me, but um, he's not going to say that, obviously. Um, yes, we've got our usual roundup of all things, uh, Windows Mobile. I'm going to be talking about devices, some of the content that we've had on the site. Uh, Steve, I think we're actually going to be able to start by talking about sort of the availability of hardware, which has uh, been a bit fewer and far between in the Windows 10 mobile world. Well, define availability or available because this is the Alcatel <laughs> yeah. idle, idle 4S with Windows 10 is now available SIM-free, but only if you're in America. Now, you may say, ah, oh, no problem, let's import one. But unfortunately, of course, as with many uh, phone variants, uh, the, the, the frequencies it supports very, very, very slightly from region to region. And although you could probably import this, Rafe, I mean, you're the expert at uh, cross-global uh, smartphone compatibility, but I suspect that it wouldn't work on all the LTE frequencies in this country. You'd probably get some 3G action and some even some GSM action on this Idle 4S, but it wouldn't be an optimum experience, and surely it's got to be better to wait for the real thing to come to Europe. Yes, I'd have thought so. I mean, looking at T-Mobile, some of the bands should be compatible, and I haven't actually looked at the full specification of the phone. It wouldn't surprise me if this has got kind of world band support. But as you say, you know, doing this kind of great importing is always a bit of a interesting choice because, of course, things like the warranty won't necessarily be valid. If something does go wrong, you really have got you know, no fallback to, to go towards. So it's not really something I'd recommend. Um, I do think eventually Alcatel will make it available, particularly, you know, SIM-free. I suspect it will make its way into some of the other Microsoft stores yeah. in sort of Europe and the rest of the world. So kind of fingers crossed. But it's, it's an interesting one, this, because obviously we haven't had a great deal of hardware. I mean, I had a quick look at this on the, the Microsoft store. Kind of caught my attention that it includes a VR goggle package I guess aping the inclusion of uh, you know the daydream with some of the Android handsets. Yeah. Um, but you know it's a pretty capable device, and it's in one sense very middle of the road kind of 5.5 inch screen, 21 megapixel low light camera. We've talked about it before. Um, it, it certainly seems to be a reasonable device, and it's the the specifications in terms of things like the processor. You know, it's better than many of those low cost uh, Windows Phone devices that we were used to seeing from some of the other manufacturers, because it always used to be that Nokia and Microsoft dominated with their Lumia devices, and we saw lots of others. But actually, this looks like a pretty decent handset, and, and based on our experience of kind of previous uh, Alcatel devices, I suspect this would be a, a pretty good choice. Yeah, yeah, and I really loved the Idle four and four S range on Android, and basically, it's a really premium build and at very large, uh, loud high fidelity stereo speakers which i loved and I, that's a feature i miss really the litex 3 has stereo speakers but they're fairly unimpressive um, and this has really impressive speakers if this comes to europe i think this is a must buy for anyone who's really keen on windows 10 mobile because this has a, a lot of things that the lumias lack and is good enough on the camera department and good yeah. enough on the chipset department i think this is a definitely a go i just want them to bring it to europe and then they've got some of my money I think the one question here, I mean, as you say, we're kind of familiar with the hardware from the Android side. It's really the software integration, how much attention yeah. Alcatel and Microsoft have paid there, because that's kind of been our past experience with devices that sometimes that kind of integration or 
you like that bug swapping and optimization process doesn't always go as well. I mean, if anyone's got um, some experience or some hands-on time with this from the States and wants to tell us about it, we'd love, love to hear about it. But other than that, we would, of course, try and get hold of it uh, once it sort of launches more formally in Europe and run it through the full review treatment. Yeah, yeah. $470 is the price, Simfree, in uh, the US of A. Uh, now, I used to know the American two-pound <laughs> conversion rate. It seems to have varied, <laughs> dropped rather a lot alarmingly in the last few months. I'm guessing this is going to come in Simfree in Europe somewhere around 400 euros and, I don't know, maybe 350 pounds if I'm lucky, which actually does sounds pretty reasonable for a high-end chipset inside. Yeah, I mean, I'd maybe put it a little bit higher than that. I mean, it's difficult to tell. But if we said 350 to 400 pounds, you know, yeah. we're, we're probably in the right ballpark. And yes, um, you know, given that this is, yeah, I think you could call it a high-end handset given the, the specifications, maybe uh, just a little bit off the, the flagships, yeah. especially bearing in mind what's going to be launching in the next few months with MWC coming up. But, you know, given the flagships are now going for, what, you know, 700 pounds with a relative weakness of uh, pound sterling recently, Actually, you know, that £400 price point, you know, you're talking two, £300 off a flagship handset. So, yeah, it's, yeah. I would say that's, that's pretty economical. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, hold out too much hope for the VR experience. This is a 1080p screen and on a, lar and a large 1080p screen. Uh, when you look through a VR heads, uh, headset, you're going to see those pixels. You're going to see those grid lines. So it's going to be a nominal VR experience. But hey, Alcatel have been bundling this with just about every idol for us across yeah. the world. And it's just, just part of it. It's an added extra. You don't buy it for the VR, but you get it as an extra. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's tried Google Cardboard will kind of be familiar with the kind yeah. of experience you can get. I mean, obviously, it's a... Uh, a slightly more bit together bit of kind of a, a headset because it's made out uh, of plastic, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point about VR on mobile. Um, at one point, we used to have discussions about what was the optimum resolution screen. And obviously, it's gone up and 4K is becoming more standard. But one of the very good reasons to get a 4K screen is actually for that kind of uh, virtual reality support. And even, uh, you know, in, in some cases going beyond that, particularly when you're talking about the six inch in screen. So yes, I think... I would describe the VR goggle accessory as kind of a nice extra, but certainly not a reason to, to buy this handset. Yeah, I'm not sure whether you meant QHD there, Rafe, or whether you really I were did, gunning I for did. 4K. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, either way, but yes, they're kind of that QHD, yeah. and then obviously yeah. uh, as things move on uh, to, to 4K, I think we're just starting to see the first handset, yeah. so I can yeah. remember a couple of them. Yeah. But yeah, that, that has an impact on battery life. So uh, personally, for me... I would rather probably go for a, a dedicated VR uh, headset, you know, something yeah. like the HTC Vive or the Oculus. But, um, it, you know, it, it does signpost the way things are going and absolutely will be mobile-centric. It's actually something I kind of expect to see a bit more of over the next 12 months. Yeah. Okay, moving on to story number two. We've got quite a bit to get through and we don't want to be here all night. It's very late in the UK as we record <laughs> this. Um, my roundup. Windows 10 Universal Windows Platform Podcatchers. Now, this is following a very successful series of articles about podcatchers for Windows Phone 8.1. We got up to 19 applications for 8.1, which is getting completely crazy. And, of course, you can't really pick a winner out of 19. Heck, we couldn't even fit it on a single web page. We had to split it into two. But there's now this new breed of Universal Windows Platform apps podcatching and they work on not of course on the, the phone on tablets on windows 10 laptops and desktops the same application on all these different form factors they work on continuum displays and they're really nicely coded and they're styled to fit in with windows 10 so i think i thought it was well worth isolating just those podcatchers which were new supported active and their full uwps we have five of them grover pro a bringcast a onecast podcast plus 
And there's one more, which is just called Podcasts Beta, rather confusingly. So there's five of them at the moment. There are a few more set to join them, I suspect. Podcast Lounge, always one of your favourites, Rafe, and, and mine. Um, that, that has been in beta now for about 12 months, and I suspect the developers keep getting sidetracked. So I will uh, nail Richard Castle, the developer, down at the pub one day. He, lives, he works quite close to me. And we say, look, what's happening with this? Just put it out as a beta, for goodness sake. And then we'll have six, and they're all rather good. I think, I, for my money, Grover Pro, I think, is the best it's certainly been the most reliable. It just never goes wrong. It doesn't look at all flashy. A Grover Pro is styled after Groove Music, hence the name. It's kind of a bastardization of that uh, Groove Music name. It's not flashy at all. It's just plain, vanilla, does the job, has all the functions you want, never goes wrong, and you can't fault it. It has been my pick. Bringcast is much more garish, much more flashy, and has the same sort of functions uh, and a sort of lovely theming, including one of the themes I suggested way back in the day, is still there. Royal Purple looks looks lovely. There's also British Racing Green, but Brinkos does have a few bugs at the moment. They're still working on it. And then the other three are worth a look, or with very, very different UIs, very, very different uh, ethos in terms of how you interact, how you configure things. But they don't, they don't quite all tick all the boxes in my review. But do go and have a look there. There's five UWPs. And uh, uh, any particular experience yourself, Rafe, with any of the five? Well, I mean, I've kind of stuck with um, some of the older kind of Windows Phone 8.1 applications. Okay. And actually it's, it's kind of a, a comment that you, you, you do kind of, as a power, you tend to make some of those choices that you don't get all the apps looking the same. Um, however, having said that, I did install Grover Pro uh, the other day, having heard some positive things about it. And I think uh, you're a man after my own heart, Steve, you know, keeping things simple and in keeping with the you know, without being flashy, that's that's what I like yeah. in general in applications. I mean, I do like um, an opportunity to be a bit more adventurous. So actually, bring cast themes was always a bit of fun, but I tended to uh, switch back to something a little bit more neutral. And yeah. you know, probably as with most people, reliability is more important than anything else. You know, Grover Pro just seems to tick all the boxes in terms of the the features as well. Um, you know, I haven't actually used the uh, continuum support, but I guess that's uh, a nice to have. But things like you know, having auto download that just works without you having to think about yeah. it, um, export and backup, that's actually quite important because if you, especially if you're like me, you do uh, switch between different uh, podcatchers, that can be a bit of a boon. Um, I virtually find, find myself listening to more podcasts when I've got this kind of simple interface because it's just very easy to start one off. And so actually it's quite important to me to get the right uh, podcatcher, which is why I'm probably a bit set in my ways with some of the older versions. And you mentioned uh, Podcast Land, which has been my choice actually for many years now. Um, and again, it's, it's kind of, it just works. Um, but also I'm finding myself using it on other devices as well. Um, and when I say other devices, I mean other apps. Um, and I find myself missing the, the Windows Phone or Windows 10 mobile way of doing things. But of course, you know, um, pocket cast and whatever happens to be your favorite on ios and android yeah. exist as well but actually um for a, a platform that you know often is described as having app problems we've actually got a pretty rich choice of <laughs> podcasters to choose from which is great absolutely absolutely okay moving on another bit of hardware for you to talk about rafe i'm pointing this one at you because you've actually had hands on and i haven't this is the jade primo made by acer it was announced um autumn 2015 
I'm ahead of the Lumia 950 950XL. So this was the first of the native Windows 10 mobile devices, and they demonstrated continuum on stage. We all got very excited. You then had hands-on either at CES or MWC, one of the two, but you certainly had hands-on with the Acer Jade Primo. I have been pestering them to send me one for review for a year, for over a year. Not a sight, not a sniff, not a sound of it. I haven't even, never even touched one, and now they've announced uh, via email that they're even abandoning it on threshold. They, they can't even support the anniversary update, which means they're not prepared to put any work in whatsoever to get it working. They claim, they get get this, they <laughs> claim that Windows 10 Mobile Threshold, this is the version that launched in the Windows 950, Lumina 950, is, quote, technically flawless and resilient, which is absolute poppycock because the, the one thing you can say about Threshold, the 950, 950XL, in that first state was that they were not flawless and they were not resilient. So I, I despair, really. It's a load of old codswaddle, as I described it in the story. Um, it's a great shape. Acer clearly haven't put any effort whatsoever behind this product, behind supporting it, behind developing for it, behind marketing it. Um, I guess I just leave you to leave you to do the final comments, seeing as you had hands on. Yeah, well, you know, when I first tried it, it was a decent enough device, but it didn't come out quickly enough. And now, you know, I think it, there'd be zero interest in it because it's been supplanted by other hardware, and I can't imagine they've sold very many of them, which probably is actually the explanation for why they're not really supporting it. But it does rather irritate me when they talk about the reasons for doing it. They're, I think they, uh, the, the quote um, from Windows United, which you've translated from German, is that yeah. the uh, running this the anniversary update leads to instability of the operating system. Well, yes, and that's your job to fix, Acer. You know, yeah. you, you can't just install it and expect it to work, which is, I imagine, what they tried. And so... You know, it, it's pretty disappointing, and I'm sure anyone who's bought it is very unimpressed by this attitude. But um, you know, looking at the sales numbers, I can't imagine they're significant. I mean, I, I did actually try and look them up, and they're small enough to basically almost be a rounding error. Um, it, it, I, I suspect it was almost something that got done as a, a contractual obligation to Microsoft, or they said, "Oh, you know, we've got some existing hardware; yeah, we can yeah. just try and run it on." So, I mean, but still disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, moving on to to more hardware, and also disappointing, I'm afraid. <laughs> the the HP Elite X3 laptop. Uh, I did the we commented on the, the the my first review part, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. We've now put up the second part, which has got lots of real world usage comments in. And I have to say this, I'm going to delay part three, the final verdict, for a few weeks. And the reason for that is that the firmware in the laptop is a, a piece of insert your favourite swear word here. It's I, I've reported all this to HP and they're looking into it and they haven't got back to me. And they, they, they clearly must realise there's a problem. Officially, they're, they're, initially they were saying, oh, yes, it's fine. It must be something you're doing wrong. And or either that or you haven't got a you've got a pre-production sample. You know, we need to get a full retail sample. No, this is a full retail sample. The problem is the firmware. I have tried plugging my uh, Lumia 950 and the Elite X3 into the HP desktop into the Microsoft display dock into various continuum docks and they work absolutely fine with external displays but this lap dock this all-in-one thing with its own its unique firmware with all the integrated electronics this is incredibly clever and fairly well made bit of kit really impressed in so many ways and yet the firmware is so buggy and you you plug in your your X3, for example, to the A laptop, and it works absolutely fine. You think, this is wonderful. This is so cool. Okay, it's incredibly expensive, but it's so cool. And then you have to you shut the lid, for example. You take a break, grab a cup of tea, open the lid. Everything's frozen. No mouse. 
no cursor, no control, no keyboard support. And you have to th th then you, you unplug it, you plug it back in and then the phone reboots, then the laptop reboots. And it's a complete disaster. I even shot a video as part of my part two because I wanted people to see what I was facing. And yes, when the video is showing it working, it's looking great. And then a catalogue of disasters, glitches followed by other glitches, followed by hangups, followed by freezes, followed by reboots. And it's all software. All of this can be fixed, which is why I'm giving HP some time. Look, I don't think we're dealing with tens of thousands of people buying this thing and tens of thousands of people getting very angry with HP for buggies. I don't believe more than a few dozen, even a few hundred have ever been sold so far. We're not talking about large numbers. This is early days for the laptop, but they've clearly got so far to go in terms of reliability in the firmware. If they can, if they can eliminate some of these glitches, if they can get it reconnecting fast and reconnecting without glitches, then it's a go over a product. I'll, even at that price. But I'm sorry, it's, at the moment, it's too expensive, too broken. And I I almost want to throw it out the window. And for, for me to say that, yeah. that it's got to be bad. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think I'd recommend people go and read it and have a look at the uh, video you shot, which actually does a, a good demonstration of actually some of the problems you face. And I think some people might say you're even being a little bit too kind about it. Uh, I, I want to comment on kind of two of the issues. The pricing, I get less wound up by that um, because of who it's aimed at. I mean, I agree, obviously, it would sell better if it was cheaper. But I think given that it is more of an enterprise-focused device, you know, doing what the vision says it will and what it can potentially deliver, I think that's okay in the enterprise market. Um, it, you know, as someone in the comments said, you know, as soon as accessories start going over the £100, £150 price point, it becomes more difficult to justify because they're becoming a significant fraction of the cost yeah. of the, the device itself. But in some ways, I mean, I almost see this as it's the equivalent to buying a netbook or something like that, or a, a you know a low cost laptop for your road warriors, and it's the benefits of things being seamless. But that means it needs to deliver on that promise, and as you say, at the moment it doesn't because of that um, you know disappointing firmware. I mean, I think the thing is, even if the firmware was perfect, I think Continuum still has a little bit of work to do. And that's kind of another part of the debate. And actually, that's part of the reason why this is sort of, you know, almost even more disappointing. Um, but like you say, uh, I suspect not very many of these have been sold. But that's not really an excuse because they are being sold. Yeah. Uh, if if HP said, "Fine, we're actually going to hold this for a bit longer," I'd be willing to be a bit more sympathetic. But you know, there are people who potentially would have paid full price and would be trying to do their work on this and. You can imagine the frustrations you had trying to put together the review, which, uh, as I understand it, um, you actually do a, a lot of the writing the review on the laptop itself. Yeah. You can imagine what that's like in, in the real world. Uh, or I'm not saying that. <laughs> I should probably say Steve's writing does happen in the real world, but if you're having to use it day in, day out. <laughs> yeah. um, and also more so because you can see the concept works well. And actually the hardware itself is very promising um, and actually, you know, you'll probably struggle to find, especially on the keyboard and to a certain extent, the screen as well, you know, something that looked and felt that good in, uh, you know, a budget laptop, which I say is probably the most realistic alternative. And, you know, the, the benefit of using the you know, phone's brains, if you like, is you don't have to have it in a separate device and therefore you're not having to pay for those bits again. Um, but, you know, I, I want to find a way to be more sympathetic towards it, but I don't, I don't think you can, and which is why, you know, we want to be honest when we're delivering a review on this kind of thing. And still absolutely say HP has a really interesting uh, vision, and I like the hardware, but they do obviously need to follow through on yeah. that uh, and deliver. And as you say, 
I can't believe that they aren't aware of, of some of the problems. But you know, as, as with any company, you're, they're not going to come out and say that. Um, they will be making a, a calculation yeah. about the resources needed to, to get this fixed. Um, and, you know, Steve, you know, you have quite exacting standards. So I suspect you'd probably want it to be better than they may want to make it. But it's pretty clear from all the evidence we've seen at the moment. There's no question they have work to do. And until then, we can't really recommend that anyone puts hot, cold, hard cash down to buy it, whether you're a consumer or a business. Yeah, indeed. But as software is software, they can fix this with one simple oh, firmware update that fixes all the bugs. And I'll, I shall be a happy bunny again. And I'll, <laughs> I shall leave perhaps some of the, the wording around my verdict. Uh, about the pricing to you seems you seem to have a pretty good handle and a much more sympathetic view than I do. When I when we first chatted to HP about this, I mentioned this before. I was asking them for a ballpark figure, and I kind of guessed at two hundred pounds. And they looked at me as if that was doable, but they didn't actually confirm it. It's clear <laughs> that the the bean counter said, "Look, we're putting a lot of development money behind this. We need to charge a lot more. Plus, this is for the enterprise market. This is these this is through our enterprise distribution network. We can charge a lot for everything, as they are traditionally do for HP, and hence the prices are artificially high. But yeah, the price needs to come down, and those bugs need to get fixed. I will report back. Don't expect a, a, a part three next week, Rafe. The <laughs> HP are beavering away fixing bugs even as we speak. Okay, uh, HP Universal uh, that that the best application in the known universe. Um, <laughs> the Universal <laughs> Windows platform app for our own site has been updated again with the user interface refresh and new functions and views. I guess not much to say from your end, Rafe, other than well done, Joe, and thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Big big thank you to Joe. We know a lot of people are using this to to browse the content on the site, and there's some very nice reviews in the uh, store as well. If you haven't left one and do use it, uh, please go and tell us and Joe, um, how happy you are. Or obviously, if you've got other feedback, we're happy to hear that, that as well. Um, but yeah, you know, great to see the sort of uh, UI refresh and also some of the sort of performance. And you know, it's, I'm, I'm just yeah. really impressed with the way that Joe keeps on working and improving it. And it's a, a great way to consume a lot of the content that uh, Steve's producing day in, day out. Yeah, thank you. And also see the show notes for this podcast, which will have all the links to all these different stories, just in case you missed Indeed. any of them. Um, FM radio speaker support which returns to Windows 10 Mobile in a U new UWP. This is a fascinating story, Rafe. When Microsoft uh, developed, I think it was the anniversary update, one of the various features that never got sort of ported across from Windows Phone 8.1 was the support built-in support for FM radio, including a kind of hidden API to access the speaker once you're plugged in. Now, you may say, look, you've got headphones plugged in to act as the aerial. Why would you want to use the speaker? But if you're doing housework around the house or something and you don't want headphones to get in the way, you can just um, take your phone, plug in some headphones as an aerial, switch to the speaker, and then it can play you know, in the kitchen while you're doing jobs, for example. There are plenty of use cases where you want to use the speaker, um, even though the headphones are plugged in. And so we were... With the anniversary update onwards, we thought we were out of luck. There are third-party apps, but nothing seemed to support the speaker. We thought, that's it. The API is long gone. But there's a Chinese developer called Momi, or I hope I pronounced that right, um, who has produced an application which is called FM Radio, except that it's Chinese hieroglyphics and <laughs> it doesn't look anything like FM Radio. But follow the link in the show notes and you'll find the application. Um, it's freeware to, to try it, and there's a 79p if you want to just reward Momi and, I guess, buy him a, a Chinese beer. Uh, it's, 
very, very bare bones, but it has that vital menu option, switch to speaker, and it works. So all of a sudden, those people who want FM radio over the speaker, there is now a way to do it on Windows 10 Mobile. And I'm sure this API, if if one, one developer can find it, other developers will find it. Maybe we'll get much glossier, much more slicker, more professional FM radio apps for W10M. In the meantime, there is this one. So go go grab it. Uh, it's great to see this and it sort of frustrates you that it, it, it disappeared at all. Um, so good to see a third-party developer jumping on this and kind of delivering FM radio back. I can't say I listen to FM radio much on my, my phone anymore, um, regardless of what device I'm using. And actually, I tend to use you know the streaming options. Yeah. But I know this remains quite popular, particularly where you know data costs uh, are an issue. Um, and for some people, it's one of those vital functions that got conversion to their smartphone and see no reason, quite rightly, why it should have been taken out. Absolutely. So Yabu sucks to Microsoft and well done to Momi. Anyway, <laughs> um, one final story I want to mention, Rafe. Now, are you a Daily Mail reader or are you a Daily Telegraph reader? Let me guess. It may, it may <laughs> surprise you to learn that I'm not a Daily Mail reader, nor am I a Daily Telegraph reader. Okay. But um, I do understand that there's uh, a third party developer who's been working very hard on a, a Daily Mail UWP app. I haven't actually brought myself to install it because I don't think I'd need, <laughs> ever want to read the content. But you've obviously uh, been uh, experimenting able to review this and uh, <laughs> have installed it. So thank you very much for taking that one for the team, Steve. Well, my pleasure. In truth, there are the odd, there's the odd Daily Mail story, which I think, well, okay, it looks a bit like clickbait, but I can't resist clicking it just to find out what it's talking about. <laughs> I, I've never bought the Daily Mail physical paper in my life, but this particular application is beautifully designed. It's defined, it's implemented as an SPA, a single page application. Effectively, it's kind of like a big, imagine a big A1 sheet of paper, all sort of with all the content laid out on it. And then you kind of fold it over and, and fold it over and fold it over again. And then as you click on bits of the paper it then that bit unfolds it's you kind of have to use the application to, to get the glimpse it doesn't look like any other uh windows 10 application that i've seen so far and yet it fits in well with the styling and the the, the, the ui convention so really really well done the developers put a lot of work into this you have to say it's a pity it's wasted on the daily mail but maybe i shouldn't say that because they're obviously paying his wages here it's the same developer by the way who produced one shot one of my favorite camera applications for windows phone 8.1 and I'm still bugging the developer to produce a UWP version of that because that offers genuine digital zoom with no blockiness. It, it, it doesn't let you go beyond the limit of one to one on the sensor. So at the risk of going off into imaging from this Daily Mail story, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to the one shot UWP, not the Daily Mail online one. But do go and look at this because it's a beautiful example of how you can implement online content stylishly, quickly, super well cached, super well grab stuff in the background, super customizable, beautifully, beautifully implemented Daily Mail Online. Okay, well, it sounds like it'd be worth installing just to have a play around yeah. with the, the technology. And we shouldn't forget, actually, you know, the Daily Mail, and obviously it's not to, to everyone's taste, um, but you know, it's one of the most widely read uh, news sources. I think it's one of the most popular websites uh, for sources of news. And actually, there's not so much of a connection between digital and the kind of the offline, uh, the paper version is there, there used to be. Um, and a lot of the content on it obviously uh, appeals to a lot of people. So we've probably been a bit sniffy about it, uh, but we can definitely <laughs> admire the uh, Windows 10 mobile application that has been done here in UWP. And actually, uh, it certainly looks like um, this kind of single page application is something that potentially more people should look into. But I'm also quite taken by your comments that um, kind of doing it that way and having 
kind of no obvious backward navigation kind of more like almost this way you show high content and the fact it actually fits in with that fluid nature of uh, windows 10 i think is really interesting because it's very easy to forget that you know, you, you can have a broader definition of what fits in with the design and, you know, don't be married necessarily to what other applications do in the style guide. And so actually, uh, you know, Invoke IT, uh, the developer here, deserves a lot of credit for exploring that and looking at that. And, you know, if you think about the amount of content you typically get through these uh, news applications, it's actually quite hard to do something different and innovative. So um, I'm going to go away, install this and have a play. Yeah, and in fact, the Daily Mail website, obviously, the, the, set the content's the same, but the actual website access through Microsoft Edge or indeed any other browser on any other platform on any other hardware in the world, the website is a complete dog. There, There's so many resources, so many images. My wife reads the Daily Mail um, web, web page for light relief late, late in the evening, and it, it takes forever to download, even on a high-speed broadband and, and a Windows 10 laptop. So to get all the same content into a far more fluid, far speedier interface on mobile is just really impressive. And it, to, to give you an idea, Rafe, when I first saw the National Trust application, which I know you had some hand in developing, so you've got perhaps a vested interest, but uh, that was just really, that that was a great example of how to implement a really good Windows Phone application. And this is in that same class. It's something I'd point people towards, even if they have zero interest in the content like yourself, just play with it for 10 minutes and see what it can do. And if there's more coming like this, then I think we're in for a treat. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're always happy to point out good applications. If you've got any, do let us know about them and we'll make sure they get featured on the site. Yes, especially if they're UWPs. I'm determined to look to the future, Rafe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Talking of the future, one final thing, just Windows 10 Mobile with the fast string has got a new build, 15014. Highly recommended. I've been running it after multiple months of problems on the fast string on my Lumia 950XL. And it's been fairly buggy for me, I have to say, and I've been rather grumpy about it. 15.014 is a good one, uh, and it's been much more reliable for me. Uh, do go and play with that. The same word of warning, it can be unstable. If you have problems in any of these insider builds, especially the fast ones, it's probably you, not not the build. In other words, do a hard re do a backup, do a reset, restore from your backup, and you know all the underlying system stuff will be cleaned up, and you'll be much, much more stable. So I can recommend 15.014. We're about two or three months away from... A redstone to appearing in production devices and i'll keep on reporting it back on that on the site but that's probably a good time to kind of draw a conclusion to yep. the podcast um thanks everybody as ever for listening we'll be back uh, very soon with all the news and the roundup and our usual chat as well uh, but for now i'll sign off and say thank you everyone for listening yeah, and thank you from me. And as people know, there are a few personal logistical issues. It's meant that, that we're recording this late in the day. Sorry if we've been a bit Indeed. tired and, and thought if this podcast is a bit briefer than normal and a slightly more rushed. But uh, Rafe and I are determined to get your fix of Windows 10 Absolutely. Mobile and Windows Phone goodness. So thank you very much for listening again. We will catch you next week. Mm -hmm.